0: good morning patrons well whatever time of day it is for you this is your bonus content for episode 259 hello and there's a bunch of new patrons uh for the first time in a while so welcome all of you um i'm so excited the book final draft went to luke curtis and all of your names are going to be posted and it was so much fun putting that list of people together so thank you for co-creating the book with me thank you for being here let me know if you have questions you can subscribe to this audio feed a couple of different ways Um, and I worry it's really complicated to just start rambling that off on uh, the podcast or on this bonus content so I'm not gonna um, but please let me know and it's listed a couple of different ways and maybe today I'll put up another post with just some facts and um, different things you might need to know as new patrons so thank you so much for being here it's really exciting and it's exciting there's like 140 of you now like or 130 something uh, there are around 35 new people. So, ah, thank you. I'm being a little quiet. It's early. Um, my roommate is asleep. It's, I've got windows open. It's a little warm in New York. So, so soon for that, I think. Um, there are a bunch of fans going, so apologies. Does it sound like a wind tunnel in here? Yeah, it does. You can hear fans. Uh, sorry this but this is it this is what you're going for on this bonus content uh so today we're going to hear from donnie moss and um what new stuff do i have to tell you nothing really i mean still working on the album the video is just around the corner um wow for it's so good uh she's actually going to be sending me another draft of it today lauren mall is making this and um, i'm flying to houston today to go to numbers nightclub if any of you are from houston or know the place i used to go there every Practically every night, maybe three nights a week, when I was in my twenties, um, and a bunch of us are reuniting. Someone from out of the country is coming. Um, that's what sort of inspired the whole thing. So I'm going to go hang in Houston. Um, everything's great. I feel really great, and I went on a date. Went on a date last week. I don't know why I'm whispering. Uh, I, yeah, it was really good it was super good I haven't been on a date in a really long time oh god I feel weird talking about this Uh, so it's good we're going on another date okay yeah oh this this is bonus content so that person unless they become a um, subscriber won't even hear this but uh, it's pretty exciting Um, yeah All right. Anyway, here's the here's the bonus content with Donnie. Thanks for listening. And new patrons, old patrons, all of you, please, 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 please reach out if you have any questions or there's anything you want to see on Patreon. It really makes a huge difference to me that you're here. And um, it it, it's yeah, it's great. Like, I don't even know how to put that into words, Um, but that's it. All right. Here's Donnie. So, joining me now for our special Patreon bonus interview is Donnie Moss. Donnie, thanks for taking the time to do not one, but two interviews with me today.
1: Thank you for having me, Michael.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, So, I'm curious about um, your, this sounds so like a therapy question. Tell me about your childhood, but especially about like, did you, how you regarded animals and, and I guess, Fairness, because I think when I think of myself as a kid, I didn't necessarily think so much about animals, but I was very focused on things being fair in a way that I think was a little bigger than for other people. Did you have like a different way of regarding animals or or, um, equity when you were a kid?
1: Um, I I think that I was totally disconnected in some ways. Uh, Like we always had um, a dog when I was growing up. Um, and it didn't occur to me when I came home from school, for instance, even though I always loved our dogs, it never, it wouldn't occur to me that the first thing I should do is sit down and play with a dog who's been at, probably at home all day alone. You know, now the second I walk into my house, I shower my dog with love and attention. Um, and so, I'm. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't the give and take relationship. It was, uh, that, that we should have with our, um, companion animals. It was just a take relationship. I'll get that dog's attention and love when I'm why when I have time for it, when, you know, but there, so, um, so there was a, definitely a disconnect there. Um, but I have to say I was always sort of obsessed with wild animals. Um, and I was so lucky because when I was a teenager, maybe 14 years old, my parents took me to Kenya and it was sort of the trip of a lifetime. I still can't even believe I had that opportunity. And, um, and it was just the most exciting thing in the world to see all of these wild animals living in their natural habitat. Uh, I was just I was so excited. But at the end of every day, we would go back to our tent and sit down and eat animals. And nobody, nobody made the connection between the animals who we were going to see and appreciate and who we wanted to protect and the animals who we were sitting down to eat for dinner. Uh, And even into my 20s, anytime I had the opportunity to take a vacation, I would take the vacation around wildlife. Uh, and I was so excited to go to Australia when I was in my twenties, um, saved up for this trip. And, and the reason I wanted to go to Australia is because I wanted to see kangaroos and I wanted to see koala bears. But again, at the end of every day, what, you know, who did we sit down to eat for dinner but animals? Uh, and so I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. It took me, I, I was 32 when I finally connected all the dots.
0: And is that when you went vegan when you were 32?
1: Yeah, it started with that movie, um, Size Me. Do you remember that? The guy ate nothing about McDonald's for, Morgan Spurlong ate nothing about, he ate McDonald's for like a month and then his, you know, large intestine fell out. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, that, that book, that book triggered me, I'm sorry, that movie triggered me to read the book Fast Food Nation. I don't remember what it was about that book but it made me stop eating land animals. But I was still for another year, so this was in 2004, for another, so I I quit land animals and I continued to eat fish, dairy, and eggs. And then I saw in 2005, um, I was actually um, uh, living in London at the time uh, and I stumbled upon a vegetarian festival um, at the public library in my neighborhood. And I think I must have seen that they were giving that free samples. And so who doesn't love free samples? So I went in and I had my free samples and I left with all this literature. And I think among the things I left with was a DVD called Meet Your Meat, a PETA expose on animal agriculture narrated by Alec Baldwin. And I put that in my computer because we used to watch DVDs in our computer. And I, and in that moment, I said, I'm never eating animals again. And that was, a that was, and I didn't know any vegans. I don't know that I knew any vegetarians. I didn't know any, any animal rights people. I didn't have animal rights on my radar screen. I don't think I had ever given animal rights any thought. Um, I think the reason I gave up meat when I ate that, when I read Fast Food Nation was because of the sanitary issues. I, I really, I don't remember, but that was my aha moment. Meet your meat. And um, I thought I don't know what I'm gonna I don't know what I'm gonna eat because I'm I don't I'm not a I'm not a fruits and vegetables person I'm not a healthy you know and, but I uh, I figured it out and that was in 2005 long you know before we had what we have today now go vegan as a breeze we have amazing substitutes for every food imaginable in 2005 that wasn't the case you know I couldn't go out and have tuna sushi that was plant based. Now I can
0: do that. Wow. It's funny I, because I've, you were sort of already being an activist when I started like getting, being an activist. So I, I always have this impression that anyone who was already an activist when I started doing it must have been doing it for like decades. So I'm surprised that it was like, I mean, two, 2005 is not that long ago. Like it, I don't know why it, it's, it's yeah. sort of cool to see how much you've done in that amount of time.
1: Oh, thank you. You know, on the flip side, there are all of these uh, new crop of activists in New York City, and I'm sure elsewhere, who um, are probably were just like in high school in 2005, um, uh, or even junior high school. You know, we have all these activists in their, tw- in their 20s, early 20s, and they're so aware. Um, I Maybe it's social media, or maybe, you know, kids are more sophisticated today than when we were kids, but like I... When I was in my early twenties, I wasn't thinking about social justice issues, and I'm just I'm just amazed by all these kids who have now who have joined the movement, um, and who were you know like toddlers when I first started out in 2005.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they're like these these kids nowadays. They're not taking any shit. Like they're super aggressive activists. I really love it. It's inspiring. they
1: seem fearless. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Fearless is a great. That's the word that I needed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, I, the other thing I want to ask you about was r- in regards to th- the animal rights movement in general, um, what do you feel like is the most pressing concern or is there one like, and this can be in terms of like the, the, um, the movement itself or what the movement should be focused on?
1: Uh, well, it's tough to say what the movement should be focused on. You know, I, I some people will say, "Well, maybe we should invest all our time and money in animal agriculture, fighting animal agriculture, because that's where the most victims are. But if we did that, then we wouldn't have had all these other victories that have helped other circus animals and you know animals using the entertainment and experimentation. So um I think that people should go with their gut. people should should participate in the campaigns that speak to them. Um, and, but uh, what I, but I would encourage everyone, and this is something I learned uh, from DXE direct action everywhere um, is to step out of your comfort zone, you know, push, push yourself out of your comfort zone on behalf of animals. And so I have to remind myself of that all the time when I'm participating in protests or organizing protests, that change happens in the discomfort, change for us as activists and change for the issue happens in the discomfort zone. And I think some of the home demos that we've done are a great example of that uh everybody's uncomfortable and you you've been to some of them when we're mm-hmm. protesting in front of somebody's home every you know sometimes we're uncomfortable as activists uh the neighbors are uncomfortable the person we're protesting is uncomfortable and if people are uncomfortable enough something's going to something's going to change
0: yeah well yeah uh that's always like i feel like i'm i'm decent at pushing myself out of my comfort zone but there are a lot of times you know my my big thing that i always work on or need to work on is approaching people like in fur coats or doing other animal abuse in public, you know, like finding that comfort yeah. to be like, here's a pamphlet, like whatever it takes. And I do it every now and then, but that's one of those places when you say that I'm like, yep, that's where, cause that's, that'll be a huge amount of change if more and more people are t- like indicating to people wearing fur or whatever else they're doing that no this isn't okay what you're doing and you know if more and more people are saying it like it has to change.
1: I, you know I feel every time I walk by someone who's wearing fur, a fur coat or fur trim and I don't say something I kick myself. I really regret it because as you said if we all did it every day during the winter those of us who live in cold climates confronted fur wearers then it, it, it probably would make a difference. Um, and, uh, but it is exhausting, emotionally exhausting. Uh, it's exhausting enough just to see it, but to have to confront everyone who walks by and so many people are wearing fur trim, especially it's just, it's emotionally exhausting and it is uncomfortable and does require most of us to step out of our comfort zone. You know, the other issue in the community right now, or I'm sure this is always the, is that, you know, internal conflicts are bringing us down. And I don't know what the answer is, and I don't know if there's a solution, but all of the internal strife in the community uh, is uh, its just kind of, it's just, uh, it, it puts a downer on things. Uh, but I, I i don't know what the solution is to that, and that's probably uh, part of every social justice movement, this internal strife that uh, takes a toll on us.
0: Yeah, you, you know, you seem, when I think about people in New York City anyway, who are able to, I hate saying rise above that because it's sort of, Implies that, you know, the thing you're rising above is really shitty, but it actually is really shitty. <laughs> like, how do, do you make do you put energy into staying out of it and 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 focusing on the on the work?
1: I do, I, you know, I do put energy into staying out of all of the uh, internal conflict, and it's it's very hard. Because people want you to take sides, and people you want you to exclude people from your protests because they've been accused of of this, that, and the other. Uh, and um, it could be, you know, it could be a part time job just sorting through all the internal conflicts. Um, and it that stuff takes us away from animals. So, I mean, I'm just I'm just grateful when people show up. It's a lot of work to get people to show up to protest if we start telling people they can't show up because they've been accused or they have done this that, or the other it's really it's the the ultimate victims there are going to be the animals i think uh, but this this is this is tough and it's something i think many of us are, who are grassroots organizers are wrestling with because we're being told that you know certain people can't participate and that uh you know that kind of thing
0: yeah um last thing and and i thought of it when you were talking about how exhausting it is Just in general, like just like being vegan and an activist who's devoting our lives to helping animals and being, you know, in this situation where our our culture does not feel like this is important. You know, like what do you how do you take care of yourself and keep from burning out and, you know, imploding?
1: Uh, wow, that's a great question. How do I take care of myself? I, you know, I I have to try and have a sense of humor about everything. Uh, when um, when I make people laugh, it's like a fuel for me um, to help me keep going. It sounds maybe narcissistic. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I get it though. I feel like we always. I feel like we always um, find a way to have fun um, in 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 the movement. You know, in spite of all this strife, we do have we do make sure to have a good time um, as well. And that keeps that keeps us that keeps me going. That keeps the organizers of the campaign I'm working on right now going. That so we we make sure that we're enjoying each other's company and that we're also uh, having a little bit of fun.
0: Mm, perfect, amazing. All right, thanks for everything you do. Thanks for coming on my podcast. And um, yeah, thanks for inviting turn- me.
1: What an honor. Thank you for thinking of me.
0: Oh, of course. I can't. It's one of those like no brainer things that was apparently required some brain because I just thought of it today. Um but yeah I'm super glad to talk to you.
1: I'm um, I'm available every week for the rest of my life so um I love it.
0: Uh-oh. You're <laughs> you're the new co-host. <laughs>
1: awesome. uh, all right um I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Have a good night.